0: And they start out saying, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. So how many of you heard a promise there? How many of you heard more than one? Other activities will fail. Wow. He really went Debbie Downer on us, didn't he? (laughs) Would it be good to know that? Yeah, Sean likes to call those things to our attention because he's got to watch and he's probably got to experience other activities failing. So intensive work with another alcoholic works when other activities fail, not if or in the event that, but when they do fail. Make sense? How many of you want immunity from drinking? Drugs. How many of you here just resting? Okay. All right. Then it goes on, this is our 12th suggestion. Now, the interesting thing about this book is a lot of people think the 12th suggestion is carry this message because it ensures immunity. Nope, that's the selfish reason. That's not the unselfish reason. The 12th suggestion will be unselfish because selfishness is the problem. Does that make sense? So it follows that. It says, this is our 12th suggestion, colon, and then carry this message to other alcoholics. You can help when no one else can you can secure their confidence when others fail, remember they're very ill. So what is the message they want me to carry? What's the singular message they just gave me? Rarely have we seen a person fail has thoroughly followed our path. Yeah, and most, most specifically, intensive work, one alcoholic with another, one convict to another, one whatever to another, the peer model, intensive work, one-on-one, works when everything else fails. Make sense? That's why this whole business here, this whole treatment model, is based on this model, the peer model, right? We help our brother. We help our sister. We don't get better till we turn our thoughts to another. Okay, all right, so you can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they are very ill. Some promises here, life will take on new meaning, to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends, this is an experience you must not miss. These authors use the words they mean, and they mean the words they say. Why would they talk about things we would see and then describe it as an experience rather than a sight? Hear him? How many of you have noticed that? How many of you have met people you've never met, but felt the spirit on them, and knew you knew them when you didn't know them? This is an experience you don't want to miss, yes? Once I know whose they are, then we can dice up whatever else is going on, yeah? Okay. All right. So, so frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Perhaps you're not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. We chuckle. How many of you have been a drinker who did not want to recover? How many of you have encountered people who do not want to recover in places that surprised you? (laughs) Because we've been that guy, perhaps, right? Okay. So they're going to tell us about how they went about it. You can easily find some by asking a few doctors, ministers, priests, or hospitals. They'll be only too glad to assist you. Don't start out as an evangelist or reformer. So what are they talking about? Sean's helping you understand a reformer. How about an evangelist? Probably you'd be waving a book at them, telling them what they needed to do. Yeah. None of us want to hear what we need to do, none of us here want to hear what we don't need to do. Right? What we'd like to see is how come I'm so miserable and you seem to know about how miserable I am, but you're not miserable anymore. Tell me about that. Okay. All right. So unfortunately a lot of prejudice exists. You'll be handicapped if you arouse it. Ministers and doctors are competent, and you learn much from them if you wish, but it happens that because of your own drinking experience, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. They use some interesting qualifiers there. Because of your own experience, you can be uniquely useful. What was the condition of being uniquely useful? Armed with the facts about myself, which is clear back in four, right? Right? Actually, before they even introduced me to one, they told me that an alcoholic properly armed with the facts about himself can generally win the confidence of another in a few hours. Until then, little or nothing can be accomplished. How many of you heard all kinds of theories on how to stop going back to prison, how to get out of addiction, from a lot of people who didn't really seem to have any real solutions? How many of you ended up coming here because you saw people in the newsletters or your mentor talked about their experience and, and you thought, why not? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So it's the same model going on and on and on. No one's telling you what to do. All we're saying is if you feel stuck, come here, we'll show you how we got unstuck. Yeah? Okay. All right, so cooperate, never criticize to be helpful is our only aim. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can do, or all you can about him. So how do I find out all I can about someone? They're gonna tell me whatever they want me to know about him. Right? All right. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. So who's the persuader? Alcohol, methamphetamine. Fentanyl. Much more persuasive. You agree with Lance? We're not trying to convince people not to use. That's fentanyl's job. Cocaine's job, methamphetamine's job. How many of you, when you realize none of that stuff was getting you out of yourself to the degree you wanted and you were miserable enough, you needed no more convincing. Yeah, so we don't compete with powers greater than ourselves. I'm I'm not a power greater than fentanyl. But once you recognize the power in me, then collectively that power in me that you recognize is also in you. That power is greater and it is not synthetic. Make sense? Okay. All right, so this advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing they're dealing with a sick person. So we don't do as much time ministering to the families, but in fact, here we do. You know, we we want the families to know, look, there's a lot of us here that were once just as troubled as anyone else, you see, or anyone else you know, and we're telling you miracles happen here every day. Okay, so I'm going to go... Over to page 91, the middle of the page, it says see your man alone if possible. So this is instructions on how we're going to start working with others. So those of you that are in the fellowship, who's been blessed with a spiritual awakening as a result of steps and works with others? A good percentage of you? Okay. The rest of you will be raising your hand soon if you want to get well, because that's how we unpack. (laughs) It's true. Doing an inventory and storing it in the closet ain't going to help you got to go put that musty past to work for the salvation of your brothers and sisters, and when you do, you'll convert that trash to treasure, and you'll walk in victory. Okay? So, at first, engage in general conversation. What's that look like? Hey, Haven't seen you here before, work around here. What do they usually hear in a fellowship meeting? Read this book, first 164 pages. (laughs) Call me. Dude, I ain't got a freaking quarter. And there ain't no more payphones. Anyway, after a while, turn the talk to some phase of drinking. Tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences to encourage him to speak of himself. What are your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences? That's pretty good. So what was the symptom? How many of you knew it wasn't safe to drink anymore, but that fact couldn't stop you from doing it? How many of you set limits for yourself and then broke your own limits? How many of you really meant to go home at Christmas, didn't make it till 4th of July? Those are drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences that people that don't get it, don't get it, right? But people like us, we got the house full of people, we walk out to take the trash out, we don't come back for a week, and everyone's staring and we go, what? Huh, Denise? Um, um, OK, so, so if he wishes to talk, let him do so. We're trying to get him to speak to us. It has nothing to do with what I have, but I have some unique experiences that make me uniquely useful to them if they can hear it. Does that make sense? Yeah. But the minute they want to talk, I need to hear from them. Yes? All right, so you'll thus get a better idea how you ought to proceed. If he's not communicative, give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit, but say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. Why not? Because I have no idea how it was accomplished. You'll scare him off. So I heard two things, and both are true. When I tell him how it was accomplished, it is going to scare the shit out of him. True? And to Lance's point, I have no earthly idea how it was accomplished. You get what I'm saying? I mean, I can make up a story about how it was accomplished, but I drank and used every day, no matter what. They chained me up. They locked me down. I woke up four, pointed to a bed, handcuffed there. And then one day, pow, I never did it again. See how scary that shit is? So how it was accomplished is above my pay grade. I can tell you all about who accomplished it. Got nothing to do with me. If it had anything to do with me, I could tell you how it was accomplished. See what I'm saying? Okay. So I don't want to tell you that before you're ready to hear that because people are like, oh, shit. Okay. So if he's in a serious mood, dwell on the troubles liquor has caused you, being careful not to moralize or lecture. What's that look like? It's really the simple... No one wants to be told that what they're doing isn't good. Don't think that way. The problem is I'm powerless to think any other way. This is the nature of an addictive disorder. This is the nature of a a mental illness. Uh, Cognitive behavioral therapy isn't going to work for me until I have a cognitive. (laughs) Does it make sense? i got therapists here, and they know what I know, right? Because some of them have been afflicted themselves. We still have to have a power greater than ourselves present from within us in order to right the mind so that we can then start taking ownership of our thoughts and emotions and cast them aside when they don't serve. Does it make sense? Okay. So, so if his mood is light, tell him humorous stories of your escapades and get him to tell some of his. How many of you got humorous stories of your escapades? How many of you are uncomfortable with that term escapade? <laughs> we're funny with words, aren't we? Mine were not escapades. Doesn't sound nearly macho enough for the debacles I found myself. Okay. And get him to tell some of his. When he sees you know all about the drinking game, commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic. Tell him how baffled you were and how you finally learned that you were sick. So how did you finally learn that you were sick? So and and Sean was one of those guys that by the time he found himself in a public detox realized that this is probably not where I was aiming. And that affected him. How about some of you that, like me, made it to several public detoxes and just did not want to be like those people? How many of you were clean for some period of time, sober for some period of time, still didn't know that there was an illness and that it really was an illness and it's not something... Made up, it was a scientific discovery that we actually have an addictive disorder that makes it virtually impossible for a certain class of people to stop once they start and so on and so on. Yeah? Okay. So it says, give him an account of the struggles you made to stop and show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink of a spree. What's that like for you? A lot of people, if you're not armed with the facts about you, but the whole point of the inventory is a lot of things in our amends list have to do with the way we've mistreated people without even knowing it. And and the on again, on again. And how many of you stole from people you cared about? And then when confronted with it, with no earthly possibility of how it could have gone down, you either helped them look for it or you or you lied to them and knew they knew you were lying and you couldn't stop lying even though you knew the jig was up, you're going to ride that son of a bitch all the way to the rail. <laughs> so I'm powerless to stop lying, I'm powerless to stop deceiving, I'm power- and so well, these are all kinds of things that we learn about ourselves here, yes? Then it goes on to say if he's alcoholic, he'll understand you at once. I'm going to assume because of some of the laughter that you related to me, and if you did, I'm sorry that you just caught alcoholism. It goes in through the year. So, he'll match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own, and that's how we know that you're with us, right? Because you're now starting to think of some. Then they're gonna tell us a little bit, if you're satisfied that he's a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. So first of all, they wouldn't have said that had they not defined real alcoholic. Spirit's tell me not to go that today, but it's in page 21, 22, if you want to see how they defined a real alcoholic, a real Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, seldom mildly intoxicated, always more or less insanely drunk, da-da-da-da-da. So I'm mean, going to learn that from their story, and when I see that they know what I know about hopelessness, then we're going to start talking about something else. Make sense? Okay, so it says, show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. Yeah. So, do you get what they're talking about? How many of you had some clean time, got a job, everyone at work decided, hey man, been a tough week. I believe we'll just go out and have a few drinks, let some steam off. Oh, yeah. you ever had that happen? How many of you knew yourself as an addict or an alcoholic and knew that vaguely that wasn't the best idea? <laughs> but thought to yourself, I had a tough week. Why can't I have a couple drinks and let some steam off? How many of you gave in to that? Good, I'm glad a bunch of you are with me. How many of you, like me, discovered why they can and I can't? Because they went home and I went and lived under a bush, that's why. That's what? Ain't no rule, it's just less comfortable. Okay. So, it says, says, show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. Don't at this stage refer to this book unless he's seen it and wishes to discuss it. And be careful not to brand him as an alcoholic. Let him draw his own conclusion. What difference does it make my opinion of your condition? That's why they have to draw their own conclusion. How many of you weren't convinced that you were alcoholic or you were addict of the hopeless variety, but as the more you came around and tried to help others, you started having your own powerlessness revealed through others? See, the manner of living is going to show you powerlessness in a far more meaningful way than you ever learned it in your deluded state. Any of you ever had someone you really cared about Die? That you desperately cared about, and you told him, and you told him, and you told him, and you found out what powerless really meant. Right? Yeah, okay. So, so it says let him draw his own conclusion if he sticks to the idea that he can still control his drinking. We'll tell him that possibly he can if he's not too alcoholic. Now, some people think that's mean. We don't, we're not here to convince but I will tell you a little something as someone who's done an awful lot of 12-stepping over a number of years. Once you tell them they're not alcoholic enough, they will dive at your feet to convince you they are. What do you mean I'm not that bad yet? They will. They have. And there may be a little chance he can recover by himself. I can only tell him about me. I tried to recover by myself for a number of years. It did not work. And, and I caused a lot of harm. Um, continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. And talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. So how do you say that without speaking alcoholics Anonymous Conditions of body and mind. Yet Sean's also done a lot of work with people. So one of the mistakes we make is we start talking craving and obsession, and people in the therapy realm know craving and obsession applies to all addictive models, not necessarily chemical, right? Because we got this control addiction in this human condition, and we crave an outcome and obsess on how we think it'll make us feel, and we get out there outside of ourselves, we get in trouble. And so that's what the chemicals did for me is they gave me the illusion of control and a, Completely uncontrolled environment. All right, so um, keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. See, you can't contradict my experience. You can disbelieve it, but if you, I've been brought to you to bear witness to you of the power that's restored me. My guess is you're listening to the power, not me, anyway, because you won't be there very long if you're not. Right. And so all I'm going to tell you is what's been done for me, and you take it or leave it alone. The results are self-evident. I told you what I was. And if none of you here that know me now and know me here don't know, Sean sitting up here knows he saw the letter from the psychiatrist explaining to the state of Arizona that this man was emotionally and mentally incapable of conducting any personal affairs for a period of nine months while under his care. And yet, we built a home for us, didn't we, fellas? That was a while ago, but I'm telling you, I had no more to do with that than I had to do with this, but I'm telling you that power restores. Okay? All right, so explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. Doctors are rightly loath to tell alcoholic patients the whole story unless it'll serve some good purpose. But you may talk to them about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. Now that's one of the things in the fellowship that people do wrong. And I'm not mad at them because they've been misinformed. But they were very clear to us, number one, who's we? The first 100, not us. And who did they say the solution was? The power within. It ain't in the book. It's not in the rooms. It's the power within them. The answers for you are in you and the power in me that I share with you has come to tell you this is your day to be free. Does that make sense? Okay, so, um, I'm gonna jump, because I'm gonna get crazy if I don't. Um, I mean, that's not much of a risk, is it? We already started from there, didn't we? Uh, I wanna go to the top of page 93 really at the bottom of 92 over to 93. It says, even though your protege may not have entirely admitted his condition, he's become very curious to know how you got well. How many of you can remember that first day or days in recovery and you started coming around people or maybe they came and met you somewhere and you heard them and you looked at them and you looked it up and down and maybe they were the same person a couple of days but somehow you always remembered how they made you feel but you couldn't really remember what the fuck they said. That's leading us up to asking them what's up, right? Why are you different? Why am I drawn to you? How many of you have had that experience? How many of you have had people do that to you? Right, okay. All right, so it says let him ask you that question if he will, so the obvious question is what if he won't? Continue the conversation, let it go. Why? Back to the point. If he doesn't ask, the full effect is not going to have the full effect. But when he does ask, he or she, tell him exactly what happened to you and stress the spiritual feature freely. If the man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he does not have to agree with your conception of God. They put that in italics. Why? God is not a conception. God is not a conception. So conceptions mean little. It's not as important what you think of God. It's only important that you know what God thinks of you. Even a God you don't believe in, a power you don't believe in, has sent me to you. So I don't care what you believe. The fact that you're feeling me while we're talking you through this tells you that what I'm telling you is true. I'm telling you of my experience, and God doesn't send me out to treat hangnails. That's right. So, if you and I are chopping it up, you may want to consider your condition. That's right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so when dealing with such a person, you'd better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. There's no use in arousing any prejudice he may have against certain theological terms and conceptions about which he may already be confused. Don't raise such issues no matter what your own convictions are. So that's from our more religious brothers and sisters. We decide we gotta tell them the, the whole story up front and we don't have to tell them. All we're here to do is tell them why I believe what I believe. That's all you need to know. And if you don't believe I believe it, walk with me ignore what I say, walk with me, and let me show you what I know and why I know it. Does that make sense? Okay. So your your prospect may belong to a religious denomination. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. Have you ever run into that? In that case, he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. How many of you have met religious people seemingly in the cycle of addiction? Cannot break it. How many of you have been that guy? Yeah. Quoting the scriptures and hitting the pipe. <laughs> we do. <laughs> There's Wayne right there. <laughs> don't don't feel bad, those of you that come from that, because we got recovery people that are sitting behind the dumpster going, rarely have we seen a person fail. <laughs> okay. But he'll be curious. But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. So they're telling you clearly it's more about the walk than the talk. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm going to jump from there over to page 94. Now we're talking to him. We're in a dialogue, and it says outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal. Yeah. Well, I would have to have made a self-appraisal in order to explain how I had made one enough. How many of you have heard the people in the rooms trying to pretend I'm working on my four-step? You ever met? And like they're telling you this long, drawn-out story for like six months. And we know that if you're in the spirit, you've had your encounter, you've made a decision, the evidence of that decision will manifest into an inventory, not in six months, but in six minutes, in all likelihood. <laughs> it may take longer than that, you're right, but it will come out like... Anyway. So I always point out to them, look man, there's no sense in lying about what you're doing because it ain't about doing here anyway, it's about being. But the doing will reveal to you what you're supposed to be being. Anyway, sometimes we get off in rhymes. I could have been a rapper if I were younger. (laughs) And I had any rhythm at all. Um, So it's important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital role in your own recovery. That's how important it is for us as 12-steppers understand this isn't something to go brag about at the hall. My recovery depends on my earnestness in carrying the message of recovery to you. I have a daily reprieve based on the maintenance of my spiritual condition, and my maintenance isn't just about praying and meditating. It's about doing what the book says. This one and others. <laughs> All right? Okay. All right, so it says, actually, he may be helping you more than you're helping him. How many of you have learned that? Because they drive us through our steps, do they not? They keep us accountable, do they not? All right, and when I bear witness to the restoration that I have experienced, it brings to consciousness so much more of what's really been done for me and how little I had to do with any of it. Yeah? Okay. All right, so actually, he may be helping you more than you're helping him. Make it plain he's under no obligation to you that you hope only that he will try and help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Why do we hope that for him? Because. That's right. Until you take this power out for a walk, it will never be tangibly real to you. When you take this power out for a walk and you see what we see here every day, we see. The blind see. We see the lame walk. We see the captive set free every day. It brings books to life. Right? Okay. So, and not just here, I'm talking about the general community here. We got all kinds of places to go carry this message of redemption. And you are the vessel of that redemption. So you are the hands and feet of this force. Okay. So, make it clear he's not under any pressure that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended if he wants to call it off, for he's helped you more than you've helped him. Why do they remind us of that? Because our ego gets involved and we don't believe it. That's right. Yeah, how many of you have got attached to someone else's outcome? We do, right? So there, at a minimum, I'll say, oh, they wasted my time. But no, I, they didn't have the power to waste my time. I attached to an outcome that was never mine to claim. And if I'm more discerning, I don't spend time with people who aren't ready because I've got very clear instruction in the spirit who's ready, who's not. I mean, they're always ready to be shown respect and decency and start growing in the idea that they're worthy of my love and affection. They're always worthy of that, no matter how they're behaving. But they may not be ready to learn the facts about themselves. They're not ready to receive it. So I don't need to drag them through the steps to show them they're worth my respect. Does that make sense? Because willingness is divine power. Until you feel that you're worthy of divine power through you, you will manifest no willingness to participate in the program of recovery I'm describing for you anyway. All right, so your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all the program. How many of you have had a candidate that did that? How many of you have been a candidate that did that? How many of you know that all the program is a manner of living and not a one and done? If you're not working with people actively and growing and walking consciously with your God in the world, so they can point you, God can point you to the people, then you ain't doing all the program because it's a manner of living, and we don't complete the steps because my third step decision was to advocate for my brothers and sisters as long as I have a breath in my lungs. So if I am still breathing and I'm not advocating, then I am not done. That's right. Make sense? Okay, so so as he may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning which requires discussion with other people, do not contradict such views. Why don't we contradict such views? Because probably all of us at one time until it was explained to us why we do what we do and what we experience as a result had an objection to that, right? Okay. Um, Tell him that you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. Back to my lived experience. Until I learned the facts about myself, I couldn't witness to another. Until I took it out and practiced it and grew in understanding and effectiveness through prayer and meditation and servitude, I, I didn't believe sufficiently to experience the release that I desperately needed all the time. I couldn't live as bound up as I was 10 years ago or 15 years ago today. Does it make sense? I thought I was free then. But guys, this is progressive freedom. Yeah. Wherever you are now, you can't stay there. You cannot coast uphill. Yeah. Don't work that way. Okay? so. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you made much progress had you not taken action. If on your first visit, tell him about the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows interest, lend him a copy of the book. So notice how the author separated the book from the fellowship. Because yeah. the program's in the book, and the fellowship is in the rooms and in the halls and in the kitchens, and if we tell them by going to a meeting you're in the program, we lied to them. That's right. yeah. You're not. You're in the fellowship you have to read the book to see what the program of recovery was. And then, if you really want to experience the program of recovery, you're going to have to have someone help you walk into it. Does that make sense? Okay. So unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. So how many of you have done that? I want to do it really quick. Then you explain to them what they're going to do and ghost. (laughs) Well, what happens when we do that is eventually they start saying it doesn't work. But I didn't do my job. I didn't make sure we had a connection. We didn't have an encounter that we understood the magnitude of the third step decision. It's not about saying a prayer. It's about to whom you're praying. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to jump from there, just because that's what I tend to do. Um, I'm going to go to page 96, it says, do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. How many of you got discouraged, like, to a person? You start working with people, and I hear it all the time. They wrote it in the book. You know how far in the book people have really read, because they tell you of their discouragement. About how? Oh, I never get them past two, or I never get them past three. Dude, you never got them past one. It's not you doing it. But all those people before—that's what we called out on the football field, tackling dummies. They'll be ready when they're ready. Right now, you're just you're practicing, right? Don't get your knickers in a knot. Keep doing it. It's a manner of living. Does it make sense? You know what I'm talking about? Because people get discouraged. I'm not going to work with them anymore. They don't call me. Well, the motherfucker don't have a phone. Because adult man takes phones. That's why you got a case you don't know about. Um, you're sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. To spend too much time on any one situation is to deny some other alcoholic an opportunity to live and be happy. Do we have a right to do that? Because we've picked a favorite? No. We've got to keep serving. Right? And God will show us what's next. One of our fellowship failed entirely on his first half-dozen prospects. He often says that if he'd continued to work on them, he might have deprived many others who have since recovered of their chance. Who are they talking about there? Bill Wilson, Bill Wilson. and so some of you that may not know the history of this book, this is the t- collective testimony of the first 100, mostly authored by Bill Wilson, and mostly auth- authored prophetically. He would wake up in the middle of the night and scribble, down what came to him and then he would send it out to 100 and they would agree on every word. They'd use a thesaurus and a dictionary. So this is the collective testimony. That's why we don't alter it. After all these years we still don't alter it because it's not ours to alter. There's power in testimony but not when our opinions added to it and watered it down. Does it make sense? Okay. Suppose you're now making your second visit to the man he reads this volume and says he's prepared to go through with the 12 steps of the program of recovery. Having had the experience yourself, what's the qualification? I've had an awakening as the result of the steps. I may have had an awakening It wasn't the result of the steps. I meet those people all the time. If you want to do 12-step work, have one as the result of the steps too. Because an awakening is not event, it's a state of being that we seek to improve upon and walk in. Yes? Okay, so so let him know that you're available if he wishes to make a decision and tell his story, but do not insist on it upon it if he prefers to consult somebody else. So I may have just been the one that let him know there was hope, maybe even introduced him to the encounter, but he wants to tell the story to somebody else. That's got nothing to do with me. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm gonna go over to page 97. And they just went through some of the things we do to help people, get them in halfway houses, pay their rent, do what, all the different things we do, right? Um, and they, they're gonna give us some cautions because back in three, they told us we now have a new employer. Being all powerful, he provides what we need if we keep close to him performing his work Remember that promise? Those of you that read the book? And if you don't, that's what it says, roughly. I try not to lie to you too often from here. Um, But anyway, this is the job description they told me I have. I have a new employer. This is the job description they're going to tell me from here. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you're doing the right thing if you assume them. So they've taught me by now how I make sure I'm doing the right thing. How do I make sure? I take it to to prayer and meditation, which is why 11s before 12. Does it make sense? People say, well, I can do that right away. Well, you can do any of it right away but if you want what they have, do what they did. Okay, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the Good Samaritan every day if need be. So what did the Good Samaritan do? The Good Samaritan, biblically, helped the person, although he was the least likely to help the person. The Samaritan was not supposed to even Talk to that person, much less bandage their wounds, put him on his own animal, take him to the end and pay for his keeping. And the religious people whose duty that would have been did not because they didn't want to become involved. That's the story. So the Good Samaritan was the good neighbor, that least likely to stop and help the least likely. Okay? All right. So it may mean the loss, here's your job description, may mean the loss of many nights' sleep. Great interference with your pleasures. Interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money in your home. Counseling frantic wives and relatives. Innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. I'm going to stop right there in the middle of that job description and ask you guys, how many of you visited all these jails and asylums on a personal visit? and had people come and visit you. How many of you can remember all their names? So they were paying the unpayable debt, they were carrying forth the grace and mercy of God, and that is now my new assignment, to go do those things. That's why 12 is really the big amends, not nine. Nine is the fitness step, Twelve is the awakened step. This is where I go and convert the musty past into treasure. Now, I don't, but God does. And... Does it make sense? So your telephone may jangle at any time of the day or night. Your wife may sometimes say she's neglected. Because she was neglected. <laughs> a, dr- a, drug- a drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress, and you may have to fight with him if he's violent. Sometimes you'll have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time, you may have to send for the police or an ambulance. Occasionally, you'll have to meet such conditions. Those of you that have been working with people, have you had to meet those conditions? One of the things I know about our population is whether you ever did recovery, you met those conditions. Because at your core, you're decent people, and you helped people that couldn't be helped any other way. I know that about all the creative ways you people have helped one another. Yes? I'd like to point that out to you because this whole idea that you're some kind of unredeemable class is absolute nonsense. You are God's treasures, hidden where no one would look until a time as this, to bring forward and go tell the world about the redemption. Believe it. It's the facts. You guys know the story of this place? So those of you that are here that may or may not know, but, but we just had this idea. We just ran around, picked people up from prison, put them in halfway houses, passed a hat. Anyone had any money, they threw it in, tried to get some of the first week paid, tried to get them jobs, what have you. And we got this bright idea, if you could do this all under one roof, it'd be a lot easier for people. So we started pitching it to people and you got to imagine what a great idea it sounds like. See, we're going to put 400 released, recently released, people in one location in the middle of town, and we're going to treat them, and they're going to walk forth as free men and women. It's going to be fucking epic. And we went broke doing it. We lost everything we had but our faith. And there's 360 of you in here tonight. And you are walking out of here every day free. And you're setting the world on fire with your testimony. And that's just the way it is sometimes you got to do crazy shit. God says do crazy shit. So I'm going to go over to page 98 because last week I told you, you said it's time to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Remember that? And I left you hanging, told you I'd tell you next week what we're going in. We talked about understanding. We talked about some of those things, but effectiveness we didn't really talk about. Remember? Any of you are here? So they're going to tell us on page 98, it's not the matter of giving that's in question, but when and how to give. And they might have to search some other books or search the spirit, but the real... We give to everyone who asks of them, but not necessarily what they ask. And it doesn't mean I'm not making judgments of what you're going to do with my... I give a fuck what you're going to do with the money. I don't have any money to give you that God didn't give me. So if it's money, you can have it. Right? But if it's prayer, then that's what you're going to get. And if it's resources, then that's what you're going to get. Does it make sense? Because it's my job to discern. Remember, that's the crazy one. Yes? Okay. So the idea of what I'm growing in understanding of effectiveness of is when and how to give. Quit being a people pleaser and deal with what this human's needs are. Not what they want to hear, what they need to hear based on what the Spirit informs. Yes? Okay. All right. So I'm going to jump from there. Burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. They use an interesting word. In order to burn an idea into your consciousness, that's going to have to have depth and weight, isn't it? It it cannot be weightless words. So to burn into your consciousness, that doesn't mean you'll be able to think it through. That means you're not going to be able to reject it because of its power on you. Does that make sense? So I'm going to burn the idea, regardless of what you think of God or what I mean when I say God, I'm telling you the power we call God sent me to you to tell you to step out today. And not alone, because he's with you and I'm assigned to you until you get well. Does that make sense? And some of you felt that burn into your consciousness, and some of you have had that conversation with me. Right? And so there is a difference, isn't there? And the difference is access to power, because you can't transmit what you don't got. Right. right? Okay. So, we're going to run out of time, so I've got to pick a path. i am going to jump over to... I'm going to go to the middle of 101. In our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. So although here we believe in an abstinence based approach, we don't preach to you about don't pick up no matter what because we know if you're like me, that's impossible. I pick up no matter what. But what we do tell you is that synthetic spirits aren't as good as divine spirits. And while you are thinking you were forgotten, he was preparing a place for you in which you now stand. Yes? So so it says if the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. How many of you did that? Hid yourself from alcohol. Any of you try that shit? I'm not talking about people that it wasn't a big deal. I'm talking about people like me who can find alcohol in all kinds of household goods. Um, We've tried these methods. These attempts to do the impossible have always failed. So I'm not telling you about their story because they told you about their story. I'm not even telling you about your story. I'm telling you about my story. I would have to concur my attempts to shield myself from it. I had to be free of it shielding myself from it was an impossibility. Okay. So, I'm going to jump over to page 103. And it says, we're careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. So important, guys, you understand we are not in hatred of drugs, alcohol, or any of those things. We're and a certain amount of hatred to the destruction of it. And we we certainly do not hate anyone that has a slip. We want to encourage them if they want help to reconsider their options and see if we can do something else we understand until you find yourself worthy to receive a healing and believe yourself sick, you're not going to receive the healing that the healer has for you. Not saying we have a healing for you, but there's a healer that's around here it's felt every time you walk in the door, and he will heal you if you'll just participate. Boom. This whole place was designed on that. That's why there's plenty of food and there's water running and there's praise playing 24-7 because we understand people come here full of demons. That's an expectation. But those demons can't stay when we've got the temple set up. That's right. I think that's it. Next week, we're going to be back to step one. Thanks.